Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. I produce the Sterling Pro Football Net Point Power Rankings and the Pro Football Bias Plus Reports. And this is Ben and Barry on football. Hello out there. This is Ben Dickerson. I am your co-host. What are we coming into here, brother? Uh, week 15. Ah, yes, week 15, which is the first round of the fantasy playoffs in most fantasy leagues. It's also really coming down the stretch as far as the NFL season is concerned. Um, I don't think anybody's actually clinched the playoff spot in the NFL yet, have they? Well, you know, um, all of the clinching scenarios through week 14 included bye weeks. And so some of the percentages were skewed because they people hadn't played the same amount of games. And we mentioned that in previous weeks. Right. I, I understand. As of this week, right now, post week 15, everybody's caught up. Yeah, I understand that. I'm, I'm not talking about the list. I'm talking about when they put a little X or a little Y beside the name of the team. I don't think they've done that yet. I haven't seen that yet. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I'm, they've done that yet. And that's well, probably the reason why. You know, they probably, haven't. well, yeah, but probably after, I mean, if somebody was undefeated, they'd clinch by now. I did hear um, someone say that someone could clinch, I think, you know. Something. Right. There are clinching scenarios. That's what it is. There are clinching scenarios that are developed and may or may not happen as of this weekend. Well, it's going so, to start popping well, that's, as yeah, a result that's of this weekend. That's where Once this at. weekend's over, things will be popping up on the board, you know, for real. I for think real. the first thing we'll see is um, a couple of teams will have locked up first place in their division. They will have become division champs. That's probably the first thing we'll see. And then the playoff scenarios will have to work themselves out. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, AFC East, NFC West, oh, man, those are, you know, some places where, you know, you've got some surprises or, or you know, maybe not so surprises, but some new blood really pushing for that number one spot in both places. So it's a lot going on there, man. There's some interesting things happening, but, and I saw some people, somebody just threw this question out. I forget which show it was. You know, there's so many shows on now uh, on NFL Network and the other stations. But during one of the normal back and forths about games that were played, how teams are looking, this, that, and the other, someone just threw out randomly the question, what's the toughest division in the NFL? And there was an argument between two of the teams that I agree are two of the toughest divisions as divisions as, as a whole in the NFL. And it was what I always say, the NFL West, the, excuse me, the NFC West and the AFC North. Those are the two North. most competitive. That North is Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. That one? Yes. Cleveland and Cincinnati ain't did nothing in a hundred years. What you talking about? Okay. <laughs> they might they they're just finding their sea legs right now. <laughs> right? No, no, no. I'm not talking about traditionally. Oh I'm no. About right 
Oh, you're talking about right now. Okay. You're talking about right oh, maybe now. Maybe I'll give it to you right now. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, that's what I I'm sorry I didn't clarify that. Obviously, the NFC West has been a problem for some years now. Yeah, that's you know, that's yes, absolutely. But I'm I'm talking about right now. Because that's, you know, there's so much still up in the air. You think so, even more so than the AFC East? Because I'm thinking AFC you got your Bills right there. You know your two Bills. Teams. Two teams. Yeah, you're right. Well, and you're not going to – wait, wait. You might need to give Miami a little bit of love. We talk about them in the rankings here. I have no problem giving Miami love, but they're not going to win the division, and they're not going to threaten to win the division. <laughs> that's a two-horse race. All right, I can't argue with you. <laughs> what you drinking? Tonight, I'm drinking Crown Royal Reserve. I don't know if you can see that. Well, you know, I, I got my eyes dilated today, yeah. so right. everything I see is a little on the hazy side, but it's all right. good. It's all good. I can Crown see Royal Reserve. It's a blended I can see the truck coming down the lane. That was the main thing. You know, I always tell people, as long as I can see the truck coming, I'm all right. Um, what else we got? Kicking off the first quarter. Okay, let's kick off the first quarter. Dude, I was thinking last night and this uh -oh. morning, what do I want to talk about? I didn't know if I had a rant. I didn't know if I had something in particular that's been bugging me and I wanted to bring it up and get your opinion about it or whatever. And then I'm on my phone and I'm clicking around and it hit me. We talked about what Deion Sanders is doing at Jackson State University. Oh yeah, we and, got some stuff on that, man. Right, and for the most part, most people are saying he's doing a great job. Team's winning, team's playing well. They got a bowl game coming up. Uh, and Dion's pledge basically was, I'm going to do everything I can to raise the recruiting level, not only of Jackson State, but the entire HBCU community, all the HBCU schools that have football, and see if we can get some higher level talent to choose to come to HBCUs. I believe I heard him say, it won't be long before we'll be bringing in some four-star recruits. And possibly if we can get a five-star here and there, you will start to see things change in HBCUs. And today, and today, you get a five-star. He got the five-star. He got the number one recruit coming out of high school in 2022. His name is Travis Hunter. He lives in Suwanee. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Suwanee, Georgia. He goes to Collins High School in Suwanee, Georgia. This guy is, uh, I believe if you go to Max Preps or 24-7 Sports or one of those um, other apps or, or, or uh, uh, groups that, that does high school recruiting stuff, he may be listed as a wide receiver slash cornerback. He may be listed as a cornerback slash wide receiver. Corner, he may be, corner right? Yes, corner. corner. Or he may be listed as an athlete. Either really? way, either way, this guy 
is supposed to be, as I heard somebody from Sports Illustrated say, a freakazoid. Doesn't have tremendous size numbers. He's 6'1", 175. Probably about the same size as Devontae Smith. 6'1", 175. 6'1", 175. They said he has freakish? He has freakish talent talent okay talent. not outstanding size i said freakish talent speed leaping ability i couldn't find a number on his 40 time but that's hard to find for high schoolers you know a lot of times those a lot of times those numbers aren't really true so you got to wait till he gets into college or gets to a scouting combine or whatever to find that out okay he's got speed Flexibility, gets in and out of his breaks really well when he's playing on offense. Um, shut down corner skills. Receivers can't get away from him. Body control, hands. He's got it all. Hands. He's got it all. He's the I'm number hands. You know, I, I'm waiting for hands all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, he's the number one recruit the high school recruit in the entire country. We're talking about thousands of kids. He is the undisputed number one, regardless of the county, regardless of the recruiting service that you check. Okay. You and I are going to have to do a better job of, uh, of keeping an eye on some of those, some of those publications to see who the number one guy is. Cause this kind well, of a surprise me. I didn't know who it was going to be, you know, and um, you and I used to be in kind of more in tune to high school football. Yeah, it's it's usually a quarterback or a uh, or an athlete, okay? Some freakish type of guy like this that uh, that plays running back and linebacker, or plays wide receiver and corner, and returns kicks, and he's his part time quarterback, and he's you know he's, just, he's one of those kind of guys. Christopher. Yes. <laughs> yes. But this guy is number one in the next recruiting class coming out. Has anyone interviewed him? Have Hands you heard from the kids since this report came out? I wasn't able to find any actual one-on-one -on -one interviews with him, but I did see his signing day video. Here's the funny thing. At the beginning of the season, before this, this senior season was played, he went, he did his visits. I forget all the schools he visited, but he committed to Florida State University, the Seminoles. FSU. As far as I know, he was a Seminole commit for the entire season. But today, he goes on to do his official uh, commitment, and he's got the hats on the table. You know, they put the hats on the table, and they pick up a hat, start to put it on, and they go, nah. And they toss, and they pick up another college hat, and they go, nah. Like that, and he threw it away. He picked up the Seminoles hat. He put it on his head. And they start to applaud. And he pulls it off and tosses it. And they're like, oh. And he opens his jacket. And he's got one of those Believe shirts that Dion gave to all his Jackson State guys. Oh, my God. Did he really? And out of the crowd, somebody throws him a Jackson State hat. And he grabs it, puts it on. They're like, ah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, this was not seen. Nobody saw this coming. He surprised everybody. 
This is a major coup for Jackson State, a wow. major coup for Coach Prime. We, so, we, we've had, I don't think we, I don't think we've had a show in like the last six months where we didn't say something about Prime and what's going on with the HBCUs as kids and, right. and all of this stuff. And in, in, the, in the fourth quarter, when we go back to our Facebook page, we have even more that's now being attributed to him. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, again, it's just big, you know, because he's thinking that big, you know what I mean? He's absolutely. And, and when you lead a group of NFL hall of famers back to the HBCUs to commit to being their coaches and administrators and stuff like that. And I yep. mean, he sprinkled that group into the HBCUs themselves. So, you know, it's not just his schools, all those other schools now can say, I have, um, what, what was his name? The running back. Eddie George. Eddie George. Okay. Anybody who knows anything about the NFL and Eddie George, well, first of all, Hall of Fame, right? Let's just start there. Right. So, you right. know, and, and Deion just, he, he kind of put that thing, because they were there. Some of those guys, NFL were there, but they were working hard, but quietly. And you know what I mean? And, and the, the, the situation hadn't really changed a whole lot. It was right. changing, but, you know, you had to have some special people like the guy that came from Pittsburgh who particularly went to HBCUs and recruited out of there. Pittsburgh had great years after that, you know. But, um, but Prime, wow, you know. Again, we got a little more about that about that later so that's what you wanted to get off your chest yes sir all righty all righty um let's move on to the second quarter we have some information the sterling net point power rankings um put this together a while back and it's a purely quantitative way to rank the teams um it's surely going to be a little different from those uh, pundits who, you know, who make their own decisions as to who's number one and number two, because they don't even agree from the guy next to them. So we got three or four people, most of them don't agree. So that's just the nature of it. So we just have a way to look at it based on a hard cold number. And that number is net points. Okay. So we, we, we want to show that. And we want to show that year to date, which is how we normally do it, but we're also gonna add another part to it where we're gonna show it just for those last three weeks because I wanna kind of see who has the, some momentum going yes. into the final three weeks. And as you said, Ben, earlier, come week 15, all the bye weeks are over, the playoff positioning starts in earnest as of week 15. So what's coming out of week 15 is going to clinch stuff for people and it's going to be that kind of way. But let's take a look and see who's been doing the stomping on whom around here. We have here the Sterling Pro Football Net Point Power Rankings for the NFL. Average net points, which is the ANP column, 
through week 14. So that's year-to-date numbers. So you have your rankings in yellow. You have your average net points in gray. And then we have those same average net points, but only calculated over the last three weeks to see who's been really picking up the pace going into the final three weeks of the season. So let's go quickly down one through 16, Benny. The New England Patriots are the new king, are the king of the hill right now with an annual net points of 11.5. And you think about the rookie quarterback and you think about them as being a uh, uh, conservative offense. But they've been putting in, putting in the points on a few people lately. <laughs> and their defense is giving up much of nothing. So uh, they're right there. Number two is the Buffalo Bills. You know, some I think the Buffalo Bills, it's like they're getting they're getting hit with jabs and they're not quite responding <laughs> to these jabs that they're getting. But they're hanging on to number two with the 10.3 average net points. And then you've got the team that, and this is funny, Buffalo is in between the two teams that they had to play over the last two weeks. <laughs> That's interesting. And, and I thought it was so interesting. The difference in the the types of offense, for example, that Buffalo had to face from week to week. I mean, the stark difference between that cold, snowy Buffalo evening when the Patriots literally threw the ball three times and ran the ball sufficiently to get the job done and beat Buffalo. And then they turn around and go to Sunny Tampa, where they got the most efficient quarterback <laughs> with your most efficient passing <laughs> numbers in the league. And they had to deal with like that two, the contrast. I just thought that was an amazing contrast to have to deal with. Well, Ed, here's the other thing. They lost both games. Okay. The conservative offense of the Patriots Conservative offense, really top-flight defense. Beat Buffalo 14-10 to 10 in the type of game that you would expect from the New England Patriots. Then they go down to Tampa. They lose to the Buccaneers 33-27 to 27 in the type of game that you would expect playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's unfortunate for Buffalo that they came out on the losing end on both games. But they played well in both games, as they should. They're number two in average net points over the course of the season. But those were two big losses for them. Hopefully, those are losses that they learned from. Because, you know, you don't have time, a lot of time to right the ship, as they say, because it's almost time for the playoffs. I'd say they're pretty much a lock. If they don't win the division, they'll come in second in the division because no other team in the division is going to beat them besides the Patriots. So I'd say they're a lock for the playoffs. But they're going to have to do some work in these last few games to get themselves together if they're going to go deep into the playoffs, as I expected them to do, them to do at the beginning of the season. But I don't know now. I mean, I'm still confident. I still like them. But I don't know now. 
So we'll see. The um the Bills, when I'm looking, where where are they? I can't see them from where I am in the last three weeks. Their average net points. They're all the way down at number 12. Yeah. The average net points are, 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 yes, right there, five. Five. Ranked 12th over the last three weeks. Again, they lost a game by four in which they scored 10, and they lost a game by six. In a game they scored 27 in. So, yeah, that's, that's going to take you down. It's interesting when you look at it from a net point perspective because, again, two divergent scoring scenarios, low-scoring game, high-scoring game. You know what I mean? Right. Speaking of high-scoring games, average net points over the last three weeks, Kansas City Chiefs. What do you think about that? Well, first of all, average net points we're talking about, right? Yeah. So I know uh, when we get done with this, we're going to start looking at the points for and the points against categories. And but five. off the top of my head, I'd say when I look over at average net points for the entire season, I see them at number seven. And over the last three weeks, I see them at number one. And the first thing that you would say or most people would think is Mahomes has got it together. The offense is rolling again. But that's not necessarily the case. That is not necessarily the case. Remember, we're talking about average net points here. I don't think that they're scoring so great that that's what's taking them to victories. Their defense has improved immensely over the last month. It's like night and day from the first three or four weeks of the season. They have really got it together. Part of it is because some guys come back from injury. Part of it is because, and I, I heard this scenario from, I think, uh, our man Dan Orlovsky, and I agree with it 100%. The defensive coordinator there is um, Mr. Spagnola, whose defenses are known to sometimes take time to gel. And of course, when you have starters that go down with injury, that doesn't help, that slows things down. But he won two Super Bowls as the defensive coordinator with the Giants on what people thought were average Giants football teams at best. And they came on late, got hot, and won two Super Bowls. And it looks like the Chiefs are doing the same doggone thing. So that's crazy. He's got to get a lot of credit for that. But the Chiefs are keeping their offense on the field by getting teams out of there, three and out, punt the ball, go for long field goal, miss it, and turnovers. They got it cranking. Their defense is so much improved that it's making the entire team look better, but they have to get the credit. Chris Jones, right? D-line? Yes, sir. People are talking about him as being one of the top and defensive players in the NFL right now, this performance level right now. I would agree. Very interesting. And then there you go with New England again. Um, in the last three weeks, 
you know, 17.3. So, I mean, such an improvement. Indianapolis, Indianapolis is like, to me, a dark horse. They're there, you can't, and you can't dismiss them. Um, but I can't say that I'm really looking at them as the Super Bowl contender team. Yeah, it just hasn't, hasn't happened in my mind. Uh, you poo-pooed a little bit about Miami, but over the last three weeks, double digits. And then Denver's coming in with your boy Teddy Two Gloves uh, in the top five. So those Amazing. are two teams, Miami and Denver, who seem to be uh, bring, getting it together a little bit lately. Well, <laughs> to be honest, I've liked the improvement I've seen from Miami, especially defensively, over the course of the second half of the season. I've been talking about Tua. I think Tua's been playing really well, pretty consistently. Not great, but really well. Probably better than most people expected. Okay? If there's any poo-pooing to be done about Miami, it's just that it's unfortunate that they're in the AFC East where Buffalo and New England are obviously the kings of the division. So their playoff chances are pretty much rooted in hopefully being a wild card, if that. And three teams out of that one division, I don't think that's going to happen. But we shall see. Well, at their number six in the last three weeks, number eight, two of your NFC East teams, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is just, they're just smooth right now. 8.7 coming in at seventh. I don't feel as if that's, you know, I think they're kind of in cruise control. You look and, and they, they might be seventh in the last three weeks, but they're number three over the year, year to date. So they're, they're just kind of cruising right now. It's going to be interesting to see. Let's take a quick look, move along, and see the components that make up uh that net points so here's your scoring your average points for uh year to date and then your average points for over the last three weeks so here you go tampa bay where i say they was cruising cruising at number one in scoring um green bay look at green bay over the last three weeks 37.3 and that's with a bad toe man <laughs> Fractured pinky toe. A fractured toe. Look at him. Look at him. Ben, what's up with your Giants, man? What do you mean? Last three weeks, 30th. The 27th year to date. Okay. Oh, you had your boy come in, didn't you? The one you didn't want to play? Who? What are you talking about? The Giants for on, on your, your quarterback. Daniel Jones is down. They had to play Mike Glennon. Right. That's when you didn't want him. No, I don't like Mike Glennon. I don't like Mike Glennon. <laughs> Mike Glennon is a career backup that people have on his team because he's probably good at watching film. <laughs> and, and he's been around for a while. And Excellent at watching film. <laughs> hey, what do we always say? What's the greatest NFL job you could possibly have for making money and longevity? Backup <laughs> quarterback. I will praise him for that and that alone. Okay? There you go. In fact, <coughs> there was a question last week as to whether he was going to be able to play. He was a little banged up, and they were getting ready to go to uh, 
my man from uh forgot his first Dave. name yeah yeah wow that's he, almost like a name from the past yeah well you know <laughs> he played at georgia georgia was really good he played with um he played with deandre swift on oh. the same georgia team okay. okay he got drafted but i don't know i it remains to be seen if he'll ever be able to uh, prove himself to be a decent NFL quarterback. And in order to do that, he's going to have to get some starts under his belt. But, you know, when you're the number three guy, it's kind of tough. Uh, I was kind of hoping to see him play. I didn't expect him to win. You know, I mean, let's face it. We're, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're in between um, rebuilding mode and we can fix this mode. <laughs> for lack of a better term. So we're kind of stuck in there. So the, the, this offseason is going to be pretty big for the Giants. Um, it's New York City, so rebuild is not a word that the fans want to hear. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when, when, when the Giants fall down, when the Knicks fall down, the fans don't want to hear we're going to rebuild. We'll see you in three years. They're like, yo, fix this now. Well, then they learn from the Sixers. Just trust the process. It's a process. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Speaking of processes, I had kind of said that I thought 28 points was the magic number you have to get for an, uh, a team to really be competitive. On a as far as points four is concerned? Points four, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. My Niners are just a tad below that right now over the last three weeks. Um, they're 25.3 year to date. So they, they they put some points up. I'm a little surprised. But as long as Kittle stays healthy, I feel confident that, you know, we can make – we can compete. You know, I, I, I even played that game. We'll talk about it uh, in the Bias Plus report, their matchup on the upcoming week. But this is the points for – just wanted to give people a chance to look at this. And, again, remind everybody – um, this is the Sterling Pro Football Net Point Power Rankings. That's Sterling and PPR on Facebook. And you can find all of these charts and all of this information there. And you can take a closer look at it. Any last things you want to say about the scoring? Yeah, so let me let me just see this now. So we got Tampa at number one, Dallas at number two, India at number three, Arizona at number four, the Rams at number five. And I'll say Buffalo at number six, all basically hitting the magic number that you said of 28, right? Okay. Okay, good. So I just jotted those teams down. Now, along with that magic number, and we're talking about teams going deep in the playoffs and being Super Bowl contenders, right? right yep. Okay. So we always say you got to have a run game and you got to have a really good to great defense to get to and win a Super Bowl. Now, let's go to points against and see what that list looks like. Oh, yeah, baby. Defense. See, that's what being Ben played, ladies and germs. We played def well, we played offense too, but we played defense on the championship squad. Here's your points against year to date in the gray column, last three weeks in the blue column. And again, the rankings by those numbers, one through 32. Interesting, 
Last three weeks, Las Vegas is last. <laughs> Jamie Christmas. Some of these teams really gave up some points uh, last three weeks. But then on the other side, one through 10, uh, New England, again, 15 points per game, 15.4. Denver, Buffalo, okay, Buffalo, you know, they might be losing, but they, you know, they really just got lit up by the, the Bucks. Arizona, Seattle, average points against. Seattle in the top five, Benny. Mm-hmm. Somehow. I, I I can't I can't think of well yeah, I don't I can't figure that one out. <laughs> I Didn't really, they play like the Jets or the Giants or somebody recently. Yeah, but that's two games shouldn't be enough to get them that up that high. Every time I watch them, I'm like, oh my God, this defense is abysmal. Like, what is going on? But then I get distracted watching Russell Wilson play and I go, oh geez, that's even worse. So Maybe they're doing some things on defense I haven't been paying attention to. How they're at number five, I have no clue. But they're only giving up 20.2 points per game. So what can I say? <laughs> Last three weeks, New England's giving up an average of 7.7 points per game. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, of course, the bad weather game helped them. Let's bad face weather it. game helped them. And look who's yeah. right behind them. That's great defense right there. That's great defense. And again, Miami praised them about their defense last season. That defense is back. Might not win all their games, but you're going to be in a battle with the Dolphins. Interesting to see who's on this bottom half in terms of giving up points when you're number 17, you're looking at Cincinnati. The Rams, Tampa Bay, and my Niners. And I know my Niners, are you know, we, we've had some issues on defense, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, we're only .6 better than your Giants. I mean, you, you know, we're, we're right there in the neighborhood with the Giants. But surprising again, the Rams, Cincinnati, and Tampa Bay, supposedly contenders are not on the top half of this of this. Uh, Let's now let's look at it for a second on the, on the last three weeks side. Uh, Cincinnati. No, it's even worse. Rams. No. Tampa Bay. No. So last three weeks, their defense hasn't exactly been bad, but 22.8 points per game when you're scoring. What, what were they scoring? 37? 37. I think it was 31, but yeah. Well, let's just go back. 31.5. 1.5. There you go. So that's your net point right there. Right. So so check this out. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna attempt to make a profound statement here. Oh no. Okay. So going on the premise that you need to be able to score. 28 points plus to be a real bona fide contender. And you threw that number out there and it might be right. It might be wrong. That's your, you know, that's your opinion. It's, I think it's solid. I think that's solid. One touchdown a quarter. I think that's solid. I'm going to say you need to be able to hold teams to at least 
20 or less. Okay? So on the offensive side, we had one, two, three, four, five, six teams that fit the criteria. On the defensive side, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams that fit the criteria. The two teams, there's only two that fit the criteria for both the Arizona Cardinals and the Buffalo Bills. Make a note if they're in the Super Bowl. Make a note. I don't know if they are. I'm not making that prediction. Make a note. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that. That that um, what? But when I'm looking at the last three weeks, the Cardinals are 14th, and, and Buffalo is is even is what 17th? You said or that's okay. So you know, the the question is always who's got the momentum going into the playoffs. That's so those two teams are a little worrisome even though they played some good ball during the year. I get it. I um, get it. I I'm get very it. interested to see Arizona uh, come back. Um, they had some, some, some issues uh, in their game, including the, the, in, you know, the um, last play of the game where the lineman was talking about they thought it was, he was going to down it. But he was in the shotgun. <laughs> he don't down anything from the shotgun. Was, you really trying to be tricky. And that whole thing just didn't go off. And Kyler made some decisions. It's like he thought he could throw a couple passes that he didn't, he couldn't make. It, he's like, you're whatever he is, 5'10 or whatever, and you got a short piece of field, and the guy that in between you and your receiver is like 6'5. You got to throw a teardrop that's he, you know, that's not, you, you don't have that kind of airtime to throw no teardrops for a 10, 15 yard pass. So uh, he made a, he made some really questionable decisions. And I felt like his, all of his physical attributes on the plus side, he, he still has a few on the negative side that I'm going to, it's going to be interesting to see if he can overcome those in order to be competitive, like you're talking about. Um, again, I keep seeing uh, um, Indianapolis, Seattle, and Buffalo all at exactly 17.7 points per game. So that's an interesting uh, neighborhood. That's what we always talk about, neighborhoods. So there's, there's a few of your neighborhoods. Feel free, ladies and gentlemen, to go to that. Now, we have something called the Bias Plus Reports, where we take a look at the net points and the next stat, which is average turnover differential and average turnover differential over the last three weeks. So um, we put those numbers together to come up with what we call the Pro Football Bias Plus Report, which we'll talk about in the third quarter of our show. But again, that team that keeps showing itself, Benny, Indianapolis, <sighs> number one, with plus one, and again, turnover differential and net points are the two stats where you can have both a positive and a negative number. As, a, as you, if you take a look over in the right-hand side, you'll see the negative numbers. Uh, what's that, Jacksonville over the last three weeks? Yeah. Minus 2.3, tied with Chicago. 
So that's not good for Chicago, considering who they got to play this week. But Indianapolis, Green Bay, New England, Arizona. There's your Arizona. Tampa Bay, Buffalo. So there's your top seven. Minnesota's coming in tied with the Rams for eighth and ninth, and then the Chargers at 10th. Tied, that's what? One, two, three, four-way tie. Chargers, Seattle, Giants, and Cleveland. So my Niners are still on the negative side. They're over in the 20th year to date. Um, where are they at? I think they're better than that, though, in the last three weeks. They're eighth in the last three weeks. That's that's the kind of turnaround that you really like to see, you know, to go from a right. year-to-date uh, ranking of 20th, but over the last three weeks, your ranking is eighth. And that's tied with Cleveland, Miami, and Atlanta. So there you go. I, I would say right off the top of my head, number one, Indianapolis Colts being number one is something that I, and I've said this before over the last few weeks, is something that I wouldn't have even thought about because of Carson Wentz and the type of season that he had before he left Philadelphia. But he has protected the ball really, really well. Uh, Mr. Taylor is awesome. He does not fumble, okay? The receivers are shorthanded. They put the ball away. They get down on the ground when they need to. They get out of bounds when they need to. So they're not uh, uh, susceptible to those punch outs that a lot of the D-backs are doing now. And their defense is taking the ball away like crazy. Because, you know, turnover differential, you have to have that combination of your offense holding on to the ball and your defense taking the ball away. And that's what the Colts have. And, you know, when we look at the last three weeks, it looks like they dropped down to 10. But let's remember, if I look at this list real quick, I think of all the teams above them, they were the only team that had a bye just this past weekend. So they're one game behind all those other teams. Now, we are using averages. Yes. So that's not as much of a factor. Not as much of a factor, but if they had played this week and got two picks, they wouldn't be at 10. They'd probably be at <laughs> three. That's a hell of an if, but in any event. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, it's a, it's a fact. They played one less game, right? It is a fact. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying that's why we do the averages so that, you know, no one's well, cheating. I don't want anybody that's a Colts fan out there to go, oh, my God, last three weeks we're playing horrible. Well, that's because you only played two of those last three weeks. But don't worry about it. We're good. We're good. I, like I agree the with you, though. You know, the, the, the turnaround for, for, for Carson Wentz-led offense to not have the turnovers, for him to play as turnover-free as he has played. And I've seen him maybe make one or two, like, Carson Wentz from last year, tight turnovers. But that was only a couple. And, you know, for the most right. part – He's done great. Having Jonathan Taylor, man, I mean, it just means everything because you control so much of what the defense does um, by just having him back there, knowing at any moment he's he could be gone. <laughs> he could take it. So 
Yeah, it, I, I just that's that's a great combination. Um, we really can't um, look at them, play them off too lightly, uh, because e even when you look at the conferences, um, well, you know, here in your top five, you got three NFCs, two AFCs. Um, and I looked at some of the other stuff, and, and then some of the, the NFC looks a little stronger in some of the other um, areas. But in any event, um, congratulations to Indianapolis. Congratulations to Green Bay and New England. Again, tied with Arizona. Arizona doesn't turn the ball over that much, so they have that point eight. Now, again, with the two turnovers that Arizona had, it dropped them to point seven. That's not a big drop, but in terms of the ranking now, you're down in the 10, 11, 12 range as opposed to the top two, three, four. So um, there you go with, with turnover differential. Any last words on this? Uh, just that Kansas City and New England getting 2.7 and 2.3 over the last three weeks. That's big. Everybody else is basically the same. 1.7 down to one. And even the Colts at 0.7, Arizona 0.7, Rams 0.7, Chargers 0.7. They're all kind of in the same little area there, but we got to rank them, you know, so we do. Right. 2.7 and 2.3, that's outstanding. That is outstanding. And the Colts for the entire year at one, that's actually borderline outstanding. Yeah, I mean, they're the only ones that are at that point. Everybody else yeah. is a fraction Look at everybody of, else. you know, year to date. Yeah, Green Bay fans are going are, are crazy about their team right now. They're happy as hell. Their defense is playing really well. And if you're a Green Bay fan that lives in Philadelphia, every time Rasul Douglas gets an interception, you turn to all your Philadelphia Eagle fans and go, friends, and go, what happened? Because <laughs> Rasul Douglas is balling. Balling, so, balling. Yeah. And thinking yeah. that, you know, speaking of somebody on defense, you know, Dallas has, you know, uh, the Diggs brother, uh, 0.7, ranked fifth for the year to date, but 1.7 over the last three. So he's still balling. I don't think he's had his did he get a did he get a pick last week? I don't think he got a pick last week. I can't quite remember. I watched so many doggone games, man. My head is swimming, but but he's done a lot of damage over the season. I believe he has nine already this season. Yeah, I could be off by one or two. I think he's got nine. That's outstanding. Nine interceptions in one season? That's outstanding, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, the haters will say, yeah, but I seen him get burnt like four, five, six times. Well, yeah, he's a kid. It's going to happen. But he's a ball. One, one of the problematic teams that I see on this list is number 29 year average turnovers to date. And over the last three weeks, number 29, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say about Baltimore. I'm very upset. I had Lamar Jackson on a couple of fantasy teams. He comes out, he gets hurt in the first quarter, and he almost sunk me, man. One team I barely held on to make the playoffs, and the other one I think I lost. That hurt me really bad. And he wasn't playing great to begin with. Uh, not as great as I would have wanted him to play, as I expected him to play. Uh, and now he's hurt. I don't even know if he's going to be able to go this week. I'll have to see if he makes it to any practices. 
uh, tomorrow and Friday. But Baltimore, but what are you going to do, man? I don't think they have a starter left in their secondary. I believe everybody in their secondary is a backup player. It, it's it's hard. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the results of that and these, some of these matchups, especially okay. um, when you start to look at what's happening with COVID because uh, it's starting, it's really going to change who hits the field this weekend. Um, but relative to a Todd and Todd, any last words? I'm good with that. All right. We're going to wrap up the second quarter, ladies and germs. All right, ladies and germs, the third quarter is upon us with Ben and Barry on football. And again, remember, you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and your favorite podcast, Apple Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, Spotify, all that kind of good stuff. So going into the third quarter, we're going to talk about the Bias Plus reports. In the second quarter, we talked about the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings, and we looked at the Net Point Differentials and the turnover differentials. And we said we put those things together and come up with what we call a, a bias plus report when you match up two different teams. So let's see how this works, all right? Okay, oh, by Benny. the way, by the way, before we get started, I did a lot better last week. I'm on the rebound. I won eight out of 14. So I felt good about that considering how badly I've been uh, prognosticating this season. Well, don't feel too good because I think the, the, the uh, bias plus reports kind of basically did the same thing. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think I think stability. We're starting to reach some points of stability here where people who are are who they who the numbers say they were. Yeah. All right, reset. So, Benny, here we go. It's the Thursday night matchup for NFL Week 15, and to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, I don't normally do Thursday night games. I don't really have the time to, to really write the blog and get it out. But this would definitely be in that intriguing game list. No doubt about it. Bias plus score of just five favors those resurging Kansas City Chiefs. What you got? <laughs> oh, God. Almost, almost <laughs> choked. choked you up, eh? Pick <laughs> me up, man. Okay. I'm going to take the Chargers. I'm going to tell you why. Mm. Number one, early on, I said some things about the Chiefs that I still believe, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think they have completely righted the ship. They have not gotten their running game any better than it was, and teams are still able to <sighs> – Basically, using a, uh, a, a, a hybrid Tampa 2 type defense, able to kind of keep them under control as far as scoring and, and hitting them with big plays is concerned. Now, Andy Reid, to his credit, has worked the running game in a little bit more than he normally would, it seems to me, at least lately. But I don't think it's enough. I, and it didn't really happen until uh, <clears throat> Edwards Hilaire came back. But now that he's back, they almost have a little two-back system with him 
and um, Daryl Williams, okay? But Kelsey's been quiet. Kelsey's been quiet for three weeks now. And Tyreek Hill has not made a whole lot of noise. Now, some people may say that's a good thing. They're playing more balanced. They're not relying on one or two guys. Okay, I'll go with that. But I'll tell you this. Herbert, whatever little slump he was in there for a game or two a little while ago, seems to have shaken that off. He's got all his weapons. He's throwing the ball to Eckler, not just running him. And their defense, as far as I'm concerned, has improved. As far as stopping the run, they were a sieve. But Kansas City doesn't have a great run game anyway, so who cares? In the secondary, they've been pretty good. I'm going to take the charges in this game. I believe the charges will go and beat them at home at, uh, what's that, SoFi Stadium? They're going to take them out. Go with the Chargers, believe it or not. Ben's going with the Chargers, going against the bias. Ben, all I can say in the construction of this bias, okay, that the Kansas City Chiefs on offense are ranked eighth and the Chargers are ranked ninth. Their average points for are both 27. Okay. We're in the exact same number. Okay. That's that supports me so far. Kansas City on defense is ranked six. The Chargers are ranked 26. Okay. Now that's about five points on average separating them, but that takes you from six to 26. It's so tight in terms of these. Real quick, where where is that ranking over the last three weeks? Uh, We would have to go back to take a look at that. I don't have that printed out. I think it would be closer. But but it might be. Um, I'm taking a matter of fact, I do have a way to check that. I'll take a look at that. But but long story short, I don't think it's going to make a difference in what you're picking. Because you you apparently think that uh, the Chargers defense is up to the task of this offense. Because really, you know, you got – you got 27 points compared to a team that's given up an average of 25 points and 27 points compared to a team that's given up an average of 20. So, again, we know the Chiefs were hot in the last uh, group. Let me just take a quick look for you. You wanted to know in the last three weeks on terms of points against? Yes. Chiefs are second and averaging nine points. Okay, and the charges are? Better than 20th. 26. Are you kidding me? In the last three weeks, right? Yes. They're 18th. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. That's all I need. Take the charges. Take the charges. All right, there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. Off again into the wild blue. Okay, Benny. I believe we have a Saturday game here. Two Saturday games. And this is the first of those Saturday games, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Cleveland Browns bias plus score. Again, here's your five. 5.6 favors the Cleveland Browns. And again, ladies and gentlemen, when you think about the range, you know, from zero to 20, very rarely you're going to get much beyond 20 to 25 when you're dealing with these averages. So, um, you know, that gives you an idea about what's strong and what's not that strong, what's competitive. 
You know, this looks like a more competitive game. The bias plus score is just 5.6. Favors the Browns. But the Raiders, man, what's going on with the Raiders? Uh, I said that I thought that the Raiders were slowly crumbling about three or four weeks ago. Then they popped up and won a game and scored pretty well. I forget who they were playing, but then they fell back into their funk. Uh, last week, they were in a horrible funk. They got smashed by the Chiefs. 48 to nine. Um, I don't think that's a beating they're going to be able to shake off, especially having to go into Cleveland where the weather will probably be fairly bad. The turf is real grass. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is not going to be pretty for the Raiders. I'm going to take the Browns. I think Baker has been able to stay upright long enough over the last couple of games to where some of his nagging injuries are probably feeling a little bit better. Um, Jarvis Landry's playing really well. Chubb hasn't fallen off at all. Kareem Hunt didn't play last week. He may be back this week, but even if he isn't, Dearness Johnson will be. They should be pretty loaded up and ready to go. And Miles Garrett is turning into a beast again. He's been quiet early on, but he is a pass-rushing beast right now. It's the last thing that the Raiders want to see, especially if Waller can't play again. They're pretty much living off of Hunter Renfro, which is good for me in fantasy, but it is not good for the Las Vegas Raiders. Take the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, yeah. We I, Again, it's interesting, the construction of this bias plus score is very similar to what happened with Kansas City, where Offensively, the two teams are scoring about the same. At about 21 points a game, Vegas is 18th and Cleveland is 19th. Uh, but but Vegas defensively, is Vegas is 31st and Cleveland is 14th. So that, that's a defensive pre predominant number right there. So I uh, just want to mention that. Um, very interesting. Okay, who's up next? We have... The other Saturday game, again, potential, intriguing game here. And, you know, I, I don't know if I thought the Vegas-Cleveland game was so intriguing because I don't know what's going on with the Raiders. Um, and we didn't say, Benny, before we go, no, I'm, I'm going to save this for the fourth quarter because it's on our Facebook page when we talk about the uh, antics of the Raiders at the Chiefs' fields. We'll talk about that later. Antics? And, oh, yes. Antics. Antics. All right. Oh, I, yeah, okay. I'm with you. Okay. We'll talk about it. But right now, it's the New England Patriots going to visit those Indianapolis Colts. And the Colts kept showing up at the top. They're at the top in terms of turnover differential, right? Yes. Um, they're, they're, they're third in scoring uh, at 28 and a half points a game. Uh, New England is 10th at 26.9, but we know New England is surging. Again, the defense being a bit of the difference here with New England only giving up 15.4 points and Indianapolis giving up 21, almost 22 points a game. So again, you know, the defense, the differentials are being found big time on defense, not as much on offense. People are kind of, this team, they kind of matched up. Not as not as high a number than previous. Kansas City was up around 27 per team. They're down around 20, 21 per team. 
This game could end up being a barn burner. And I don't mean a barn, but I shouldn't use the term barn, barn burner because people believe when they hear barn burner, they think high scoring. So let me, let me use another one. This game, I'm thinking of old school terms. This game's going to be a slobber knocker. Okay. <laughs> it's not going to be high scoring, but it won't be 14-10 like it was in that bad weather game. Okay. Indianapolis plays indoors. So <laughs> mac and cheese is going to have to throw more than three passes in this one. Trust me. And they're not going to have free run with uh, Damian Harris and, um, and Ramondre. They're not just going to be able to run roughshod over this defense. The Colts are pretty good. And Wentz is playing well. They're coming off a bye. So they had nothing to do over the extra week but game plan for this game. I'm expecting the Colts to win this game. It will not be easy. This will be a fun game to watch, especially if you like defense. But I think Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor, if they can balance the attack between the two of them, and they both played fairly well, they will be able to outscore maybe by one point, maybe by a touchdown, whatever, but they will be able to outscore the Patriots somehow, some way. I am taking the Colts. Interesting. I think one of the things that intrigues me about this uh, and just listening to you is the coaching battle at the coaching level. You know yes. what I mean? Because, I mean, the Patriots have shown the ability to run on you when you know they're going to run on you. <laughs> And um, they're very efficient, you know. Um, and then you got Indianapolis Colts with, again, what I, what I call Jonathan Taylor absolutely amazing. They have an amazing running back back there, a breakaway guy. Right. Um, I get the feeling both teams, if they're smart, they're going to run the ball. So I suggest I that, you, that you don't arrive to this game er, uh, too late because the clock's probably going to keep running. <laughs> right, because both teams are going to keep the ball on the ground. You're absolutely right. I agree with you 100%. But I believe that Jonathan Taylor can outrun Harris and Stevenson together by himself. And then it's going to come down to a smart play by Jones, a good throw or a smart play, or a good throw or a smart play by Wentz. That's going to be the difference in the game. Can the Patriots throw some things at Wentz that will confuse him? Perhaps. That's my question, and that's what I'm going to be looking for. Again, a Saturday game. Benny, uh, assuming, and I didn't really check the times on these. I didn't bring that over with me. But assuming these games aren't being played simultaneously, again, we get to watch a whole game, you know. Yeah, I don't even know how many there are. How many total Saturday games are there? It's just these two this week. Oh, one will be one will probably be four, and one will probably be eight. I'm hoping that they do it that way, and I hope it's just yeah. not two two stations competing with each other or something. No, I doubt it. I doubt so, it. I'm, I'm hoping. Um, but okay, that wraps up the Saturday uh, edition of the NFL. Let's move on to Sunday. Sunday opens up with your Bills hosting the Carolina Panthers, having a nice – now, see, that's a little more of a healthy bias plus score, ladies and germs. Again, 
Previous bias plus scores were in the five. This one looks at 13, which says that, you know, a little stronger sentiment that Buffalo Bills are favored to win this game. Um, Carolina Panthers, would disarray be a word for them, Ben? Uh, yeah, offensively, they're looking real shaky. The, the good thing for them is their defense had started to gel around midseason and hasn't completely fallen apart but they can't seem to generate the kind of offense that they need to actually win games. It's, it's sad. You know, Christian McCaffrey went down. Cam Newton's not looking great. They went with PJ Walker. It's, it's, yeah. I don't, I don't know what to make of that offense. I really don't. Give me a quick sentiment on Cam Newton right now, because he basically in this, in his interview said, I can't do it. I couldn't get it done. And, turn, and I'm talking about turnovers. He's turning the ball over. There's one thing that he should not be doing with his experience is turning the ball over. But he this should he, a, I'm sorry. I'm this, sorry. Was a, this was in a post-game interview from last yeah, week? Yeah. 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 And he said, I couldn't do it? That was Those were his words? Um, he didn't. He was saying he didn't get it done. He said one of the things you have to do is take care of the ball. I think he had like two fumbles in that game. Or two, yeah, I know it was two turnovers. I saw one fumble. One fumble, he looked, he looked almost old. Like he just like, like he, you know, like he couldn't fight off anybody coming or something like that, right. like he used to. Right. The, the, the problem is these turnovers are big difference makers. First of all, they lost to the Falcons. Second of all, they lost 29 to 21, a game they were clearly in. I can't remember. For some reason, I kind of think they had the lead and the Falcons came back. I may not be 100% correct on that. But the bottom line is it was obviously a winnable game. And when you're in a winnable game and you turn the ball over, you pretty much doom yourself to lose. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's pretty much it. As far as my sentiment for Cam, I think I said it last week. This may be his last chance. He's either going to make it with the Panthers or he's not going to make it. So he either has to play at least well enough to earn another contract and come back next season, or he's going to have to retire. Yeah, uh, and the thing is this. Everybody, it's almost like – and. People would just say, yeah, and you know he was never really a great passer. It's like they just throw that in now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's I don't like that kind of stuff. Well, I I don't know because I don't think Get the freaking team to the Super Bowl. Stop. These people yeah. gotta stop, man. But but how how much of that was because he was Superman? You know, that that's the question. He was Superman at one point now. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Shoot, let me tell you, Cam was a bad boy, but uh, you know what they always say. I know a lot of good young running quarterbacks that just don't know, know a lot of good old running quarterbacks. And I think that's where he's falling in right now. Bias plus score 13.4. Favors the Buffalo Bills. You are taking the Bills? That is correct. All right, let's move forward. We talked about the Arizona Cardinals. This could be your get-right game. 20.5 bias plus score favors those Cardinals. Yeah, take the Cardinals. 
uh, it's not a whole bunch to talk about here. It, it's, <laughs> it's the Lions, man. I, I, what's the next game? <laughs> All right. You, you know, I like the Lions. I just, you know, set them oh, up. I, I love to watch them. I, I love to watch the coach pull his hat off and cover his face with his play card and then go through all his, you know, they play hard. Goff has made some great throws. I've seen Goff make some great throws over the last couple of weeks. But they ain't going to beat nobody, man. Well, they, they are they are a, 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 a shoot-themselves-in-the-foot um, team. Yeah, um, it's a mess. But I have to – let's do it. I want to do a quick shout-out. Who's my statistical guru, Cynthia Freeland? Yeah. Homegirl must be from Detroit. Cause she, she had a sweatshirt on the other day. You see her? Yes, I did. Man, she's had that shirt now for 12 years and finally got a chance to wear it. <laughs> and proudly pulled that thing out. <laughs> so I had I didn't know. I didn't know. But Jay, look. You got to give it to somebody. They're hanging in with Detroit like that. And I'm sure all the numbers did not favor <laughs> that, that for her. So she looked at the numbers and said, this ain't going to be pretty. But I'm hanging in there with my team. So congratulations to Miss Freeland. All right. This could be a, a battle. Maybe. Yes. No. 11.8 favorites the Miami Dolphins over the New York Jets. No. No, okay. <laughs> I take the Dolphins. I'm going to take the Dolphins. Uh, this is a game, if you're a Jets fan, that you're just looking for anything that you can hold on to for next season. You know, you, you want to see some bright spots. Uh, you want to see. You want to see if Corey Davis can come back and finish off the season. You want to see if Elijah Moore is the real deal because he looks like he'll probably be the number one guy, number one wide receiver coming in next year. Um, and he's just a rookie this year. Got off to a slow start playing really well now. Um, you're, you're, every week you're looking to see, is Zach Wilson really going to be our guy? Are we going to have to draft another quarterback in the next couple of years? Or are we going to be able to hang in with this guy and, and watch him work if we improve the team around him? That's all you can do if you're a Jets fan. They will not win this game. Two is fairly hot, and he's playing really well. He's not turning the ball over. He's making good throws. Devontae Parker, one of his main receivers who was injured, is now back. That gives him another weapon. He's throwing the ball to Jalen Waddle anytime he wants to. Mike Gesicki, the tight end has worked himself up into possibly being a top five tight end in the NFL. And the defense is cover zero, blitz our ass off. Here we go. So, yeah, that's too much for the Jets. <laughs> All right. I'm not even going to get into it. <laughs> Uh-oh. Ding, 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 ding. Dallas Cowboys. NFC East battle, baby, with the New York football Giants. Uh-oh. Last plus score, 13.7 favors those Dallas Cowboys. And Mike Glennon, is he playing? Is that his name? Most likely. 
Most likely. I don't, I don't know if Daniel Jones has practiced it all this week. I haven't seen anything about him because I don't have him on any of my fantasy teams, so I haven't really been paying attention. Uh, if he is okay to play, I'm sure they'll play him. Uh, I don't know that it'll make a difference except for the fact that even with Mike Glennon on the field last week, the Giants scored 21 points. So, you know, we ain't dead, but here's my thing. I've heard a lot of people on television, the talking heads as we call them sometimes, talking real bad about the Dallas Cowboys, almost the opposite of the way they were talking about them when they were on a six-game winning streak early in the season. Now everybody's ready to turn their back on the Dallas Cowboys and Dak is in a slump and this and that and the other. Okay. All right. So now you said all this bad stuff about them in the middle of the week. When it comes time to decide who you're taking for this game, I want to hear somebody talk up for the Giants and make it sound like they have a chance to win this game. Somebody, anybody, I doubt I will hear that. They'll jump right back on the Dallas bandwagon again and say, yeah, Jackson slump. Yeah, this, that, and the other. But they should have no problem with the Giants. That's what's going to happen because these people on television are frauds. Okay, I'm sorry. I want to <laughs> take Dallas. Yeah, um, I haven't looked at Dallas lists. Uh, we haven't really talked about the impact of COVID on any of these games. Again, we did mention, you know, this is – this analysis is based on what they have done to date, okay? So we, we always say we don't put them, you know, we don't rank them on this list. They rank themselves. And so this, the, it, favoring the Dallas Cowboys is uh, no big thing. But I do say that, uh, what, the Giants have four players test positive for COVID-19. Yeah, that's the other thing. Any chance that the Giants had of pulling off an upset or making this a competitive game to the point where – if Dallas made mistakes late, they could pull it out. You know, once you start getting guys on COVID and, and having to get their two 24-hour tests and they're not going to play and blah, 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 you pretty much kill your chances of, of pulling off something like that. So, you know, I mean, obviously I'm a Giants fan. I'll be rooting for them, but it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, that's, that's just a tough thing. And, again, we'll talk about a little more about what's going on with the NFL and COVID. Uh, we, we had some uh, – we have an owner's meeting today, so there were some high-level um, presentations and things about that. Ben's going with the Dallas Cowboys. Makes sense to me. Next up, the Washington football team at the Philadelphia Eagles. I actually got a chance to listen, Ben to some Philadelphia sports talk radio because I was in my car. I don't really listen when I'm not in my car. Um, but I got a chance to listen and, you know, hear a little bit of the debate about the quarterback who should be starting, Hurts or Minshew, and apparently they're not naming a starter. But, you know, we, we know the games that the coaches play in terms of this. Wait, the wait, wait. I wait. Think, the huh? coach said – he wasn't going to name a starter yet? Yeah, he hasn't. Oh. He hasn't. They're asking him constantly. That's the worst thing he could do. That's the worst thing he can do. Jalen Hurts is the starter. Well, you Jaylen know, Hurts is injured, or he's he's got some level of an injury. 
So, 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 so he's not in that line right now. He's not naming a starter because he doesn't know the extent of Hertz's injury, or they're not sure if he'll be able to play. That's pretty much what they're saying. That's, that's what they're saying. What they're saying. But you know, again, there's that's a certain not, level of um, gamesmanship that happens with all of the, you know, with the NFL and all of that kind of stuff. You know, yep. Well, so you know, that's that's to be. That's to be expected to some degree. It's know? the Eagles versus Washington. Jalen Hurts is our starter. He's day-to-day. -day. If we can get him on the field and get him a couple of limited practices, he'll be out there Sunday. That's what you say. And then if that doesn't happen, then Mincy will play. You don't go, oh, I'm not prepared to name the starter yet. Don't. Those, that's the kiss of death. You, you're starting a quarterback controversy where there is none. Okay, okay. I, I, I hear you. I hear you with the, with the coach counsel. Um, but let me mention one thing that, that impressed me about Minshew. Okay. His ability to find his tight end. Yes. That was one of the things I was like, that connection probably has been there all along. And if Hurts hasn't been taking advantage of it like that, because that's a he's a pretty good tight end. He can get open. He can catch the ball. Yes, he can. You know? So uh, that's almost like an asset that if, if he hasn't been taking advantage of it, then that's a missed opportunity. All right. After saying all that kiss of death, blah, 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 the bias plus score favors those Eagles, Benny, who you got? Well, this says here, Jalen Hurts got a limited practice in today. Suryani said Hurts was trending upward, and a limited practice this early in the week likely puts him on track to return after Washington. So Suryani also said Hurts would be the starter despite Gardner Missy looking good in his spot work. Okay. Thank you, Suryani. You're off the hook. <laughs> That's the smart thing to say. Take the Philadelphia Eagles. And I hope them guys, I hope they don't make me look bad on this game. I don't care about the other games, if I win, if I lose, whatever. I, I know it's up and down. I've had a, a terrible season. But they better not let me down on this one. Washington's got a lot of new problems popping up. I don't think McKissick's going to be ready. That means Gibson has to carry the loaded running back. He's been getting banged around. He's got a lot of carries under his belt. I don't know if he's going to hold up. McLaurin, who's their best receiver, got dinged up last week. I don't know if he's going to be ready this week. And everybody behind him is like fair to Midland. Washington's in a little bit of trouble after having a nice little run of games and looking real dangerous. Now they're looking not so dangerous. So the Eagles should win this game. I'm going to take the Eagles. All right, going with the Eagles. Next up. I don't know if this is intriguing. Maybe so. Tennessee Titans at Pittsburgh Steelers. Vice plus score of 6.4. Again, we're back down in those single digits, favoring the Tennessee Titans, Benny. This game, if this game was earlier in the season, I'm sure they met. I, no, they didn't meet earlier in the season. They're not in the same division. This game would have been intriguing earlier in the season, but now, not so much. Tennessee. has everything pretty much going for them right now. 
Julio came back last week. AJ Brown's not back yet, but um, they seem to have two running backs who are almost as good together as Derrick Henry was by himself. So their running game is somewhat intact, which means they can basically run their same normal game plan and they don't have to depend on Tannehill's arm. Not that that's a bad thing, okay? But with the shortage of wide receivers, it's not the best thing. So they need that running game and they seem to have that thing going. Now, what's gonna happen in this game is gonna depend on the defense. Can you get pressure on Roethlisberger? If you can get pressure on Roethlisberger and you can slow down Najee Harris, you can win this game. I believe the Titans are going to be able to do that. Going into Pittsburgh is not going to be easy, but I'm going to take the Titans on this one. I know people are going to say I'm crazy. I'm going to take the Titans on this one. All right, going with the bias, no problem there. Next up. All right. <laughs> Here it is. That's your intriguing game. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you got to understand, the numbers come out of the calculation. I have no control of the same calculation for all of the teams. And this is what you get when you're looking at the Texans and the Jaguars. So the bias plus score has to make sense. You know what I mean? It, it just makes sense. You know? I mean, let's let, let's look at the just looking at the rankings. Thirty second uh, in net points for Houston, thirtieth for Jacksonville. All right, okay. so there they are, right there. Both of them at the bottom. Um, Jacksonville has drama surrounding the the coaching. Uh, the Texans drama is more outside of the coaching ranks now, maybe, you know, whatever their general managers and all of those are saying, but long story short, they decided to go with their rookie quarterback, which I'm kind of glad to see. Let's get a young man a chance, let him get out there and, you know, get his feet wet. You know, you can't expect a whole, whole bunch from him because you know what he got around him, but, you, you know, you give him a chance to get out there and show what he can do. So uh, it looks like what he can do, as their rookie quarterback is 0.1, 0.1 better in terms of favoring what the Jacksonville Jaguars number one rookie quarterback can do. Um, what do you think about this matchup? Point <laughs> 0.1. Looking at the number one overall pick at quarterback for the Jaguars and a guy that was picked probably in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round. I'm not exactly sure when he got picked, but he was a late. He was a late choice. He was Tom Brady territory, right? What territory? Tom Brady territory. Yes, yes, yes. And I'll tell you the truth. The guy doesn't stink. I mean, the team is bad. But this guy doesn't stink. He, he can throw the ball to the point where they're not even trying to like keep Tyrod Taylor out there in hopes that he's the best chance for them to win games. They've decided, which is something that I thought the Bears should decide, but who am I to, you know, but they've decided this is going to be our guy of the future. If so, we need to see what he's got. So we're going to leave him out there. 
and we're going to let him rock and roll. You know, I mean, other than injury to him, you have nothing to lose if you're Texans, right? There. Exactly, exactly. Everything in game. Where I thought it was the opposite with the Bears. I thought uh, Fields had shown enough to let them know, yeah, that's our guy. Let's keep him safe and let Dalton play, which was the plan from the beginning. If Dalton had played well and they had won games early in the season, Fields might have never got on the field. So. You know, but neither here nor but there. I'm going to take. I have doubted the uh, co capacity of general uh, managers to, <laughs> yeah, to, 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 to know to staff the backup quarterback situation and choose these backup quarterbacks with some serious confidence that they could be competitive. <laughs> and that's the question. It's like you thought he could be competitive. You thought, you know. So they, I go look at the coach. I'm like, money. what was you looking at? You know, when you were looking at this, you know, where's your evaluation skills? But in any event, who are you going with? I'm going to go with the Houston Texans. Going with the fifth, sixth Tom Brady era, area round quarterback. Uh, we didn't even say his name. What's his name, Ben? David West or something like that? Uh, uh, Davis. Davis. <laughs> all right yeah that's what happens that when guy. you're in the tom brady range you got to come out and win a super bowl for anybody to, to acknowledge who the heck you really are <laughs> no no davis mills davis, davis mills, mills yeah. i'm sorry sorry davis. davis mills of the sorry, davis texans starting quarterback um against the jacksonville jaguars all right quick note Quick note, NBC Sports says if Mills plays well, Houston may forego picking a quarterback in the 2022 draft. There you have it. There you have it. They want this guy to be their guy, and they think he can be their guy. You know, the interesting thing when you have that first-year guy just got a little bit of, of play, and we have to see how this all, like you said, if he plays well. Um, but then, okay, what's who is your backup quarterback if he plays well? Are you looking for a veteran? Or it, since you do have the super, you might have a really high, you know, you're in the first round. You got to get a first round pick. I don't know, unless you screwed up all your picks, you know. Well, they, got, they got other problems, though. They're hoping that he plays well so they don't have to use a high pick on a quarterback. Well, then they've That's got, why they picked him last. Who's the backup now? Tyrod Taylor. Oh, my goodness. Jeez. Best job <laughs> in the NFL. <laughs> Tyrod's no longer getting hurt. Come in there, do his thing for a little bit. All right. All right, Ben, that's enough of the Houston Texans. We got the Cincinnati Bengals at the Denver Broncos. Now, we Ooh, got some teams who think they have what it takes to get into the playoffs. They got some defense. They got some offense. But they only got a 0 0.7 bias plus score favoring the Cincinnati Bengals over your Teddy Two Gloves and company. What you got? Well, the, 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 the Broncos got uh, had a nice extra week of practice playing the Lions last week, so that was good. But I must say they looked very impressive in that game, albeit 
the Lions, they still looked extremely impressive on both sides of the ball. Their running game is humming like a finely tuned engine. Javante Williams looks great. And uh, Melvin Gordon came back from injury and looked like he didn't miss a beat. So that's a good thing. That took a lot of pressure off of Teddy, which is good. Okay. You need to keep Teddy clean. You need to let him be handing off the ball for the majority of the time so that when he does have to throw it, he's able to do so with efficiency. So I'll give the Broncos that. Um, as far as the Bengals are concerned, they kind of had a bit of a battle last week. Um, who'd they play? They play, it was a tough game. They played your 49ers. 26-23. What a game. Did you forget all, all of those Ayuk fantasy points you got? <laughs> no, I actually I did not. I I, I loved Ayuk. And the teams that I have Kittle on, that's two weeks in a row that he almost won me fantasy games by himself. Okay. Now, the main thing I'm looking at, oh, we're not ready to talk about the 49ers yet. I'll save yeah. that. Yeah. But for this game right here, this is going to be a tough game to pick. This is going to be a really tough game to pick because the Bengals' defense is not real great against the pass. And although Bridgewater isn't having his best season throwing the ball, he's got a nice group of receivers. This, oh, Mixon versus Williams and Gordon. Oh, my God. You know what? 0.7. Bro, this is your intriguing game. Pa pause one second. Let me give you these stats. Ready? All right. Let's talk def uh, defense for Cincinnati, ranked 17th, giving up 22.5 points. Offense for Denver, ranked 20th, scoring 21.2 points per game. Very slight edge for uh, for Denver. Okay. Um, however, Cincinnati has the number seven offense for scoring, scoring 27.2 points per game. Big edge. Well, Denver's ranked number two defensively. You're only giving up 17.5 points. Oh my God. This is this <laughs> gotta be your intriguing game. I, I I have no clue on this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play it safe and go with the bias. No, I'm not no. I'm not gonna play it safe and go with the bias. Uh -uh. I have no clue who's gonna win this game, but I'm gonna take the Broncos. I I I, I wanna watch it. I wish this was a Saturday game. I would love to watch this game. Well, the good thing about it is you got a, you got a, two games that are taken out of the Sunday rotation. So while we watch Red Zone, there won't be as many games going on at the same That's time. True. So we get to see a little more of each game. That's true. You know, so uh, that that's quite that's quite good. But yeah, this, this has the making of a serious, intriguing game. And I don't think that I've done anything on either one of these two teams at this particular point. Again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, my intriguing game of the week, I write this blog, it's posted on my Facebook page at the Sterling NetPoint Power Rankings page at Sterling NPPR. Um, 
And I just break it down, you know, for you when I look at each one of the games and I tell you why that game is intriguing, especially based around our net point rankings and turnover differentials and some of the things that are going on with these teams. So, like you said, Benny, my Niners just played these Bengals. Who's up next, though? Oh, it's the Niners. Ah, yes. Hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Fires plus score of, look at this, Benny, 10.7. Somewhat healthy. Favors the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I'm just a scary person by nature, so just – I'm automatically scared, but I will say this. I did play the virtual portion of virtual uh, version of this game. And the Falcons have a really nice young rookie tight end. But the young rookie tight end that the Falcons have went to the tight end school that the Niners tight end is given. <laughs> And Kittle makes all the difference. If the Niners stick to who they are and run that ball and use Kittle, they'll be fine against the Falcons. Uh, I believe, Bias Plus believes. The question is, Benny, do you believe? Yes, I believe. I'm taking the 49ers in this game. The Falcons haven't shown me anything all season. Uh, a team that looks to really uh, gotten themselves together as far as getting back people that were hurt, especially on the offensive side. And although it's kind of piecemeal with the running backs, I believe Elijah Mitchell should be back off the concussion protocol this week. He's the best running back they have. As long as their run game is good and Debo is doing his thing and they're coming out with all different kinds of ways to get the ball into Debo's hands, Kittle, looks unstoppable right now and it's getting to the point where teams have to shift so much attention to Kittle that now Ayuk is able to sneak in there and make some plays so the Niners are a problem on offense defensively they still have issues they still give up scores but the Falcons are not going to be able to uh to uh to put that much pressure on them that they can't just simply outscore them. So, yeah, I'm going with the 49ers. And I like the way Jimmy G's playing, too. Jimmy G's looking good. Uh, he's in the top – I saw a stat today. He's in the top five as far as efficiency under pressure, believe it or not. Well, it helps to have Kittle. Uh, Kittle made one, a couple catches, but he made one catch – that he basically had like three guys collapsing on him. And it was a torpedo that came in there. He, he, took, he took the torpedo and he took the hits. And it, it was a, a turnover down, if I do remember. Um, so, yeah, Jimmy G, uh, when you have a, a tight end like, like Kittle, yeah, it, your numbers start to improve a little bit. But that's what we expect from this team. You know, that's what the way we should be running. That's what I said about Jimmy G all along when they were talking about you know, starting Trey Lance is like, look, Jimmy G can run this offense. You don't have to be the super athlete. Anytime you have an athlete back there, it can help. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, not necessary. Going with the Niners. Cool beans, buddy. Seattle Seahawks again. A division battle. 
Then them LA Rams, man. People coming at them. People coming at the Rams. Seattle Seahawks at the LA Rams. Bias plus score of what's what's five in Spanish? Cinco. Cinco. Cinco favors the LA Rams over mm. those Seattle Seahawks. Let me see something here. Let me see something here. Good on my little five whole points, huh? Rams were ah, pretty good last week. In not fact, even a decimal, not even a decimal. In fact, that Rams win. Okay, again, division game here. Last week, division game, Rams versus Cardinals. Okay. This is the, the meat and potatoes of one of the strongest divisions in football today as we speak. And after losing a game that a lot of people thought they could have, should have, and would have won the week before in week 13, the Rams actually came through against a team that most people thought was going to run the table and rule this division. So they beat the Cardinals. They beat them 30-23, which was relatively convincingly. Okay. Beckham looking good. Van Jefferson looking good. Minus Robert Woods. Cooper Cup is Cooper Cup. Only Cooper week. Cup. Cooper Cup is playing something special right about now. Cooper Cup is the undisputed heavyweight champion of wide receivers of this season from day one to now. Yeah. There's nobody that has approached the type of production that Cooper Cup is putting out this season. Yeah, Hands down. Hands down. He might be offensive player of the freaking year. <laughs> it's incredible. The... <laughs> The Seattle Seahawks are allowing 20.2 points per game. Uh-huh. The Rams are scoring 28 points per game. Right. The Rams are allowing 22.5 points per game. And Seattle is scoring 20, 20 points a game. Mm. So again, that's not even calculating in the the, uh, the the turnover differential, which actually favors by 0.2 points the LA Rams. You know, the Seattle wow. had the problems with turnovers, you know, during the season. So that's showing up in their numbers now. But another intriguing, potential intriguing game of the week. Um I don't usually like to go with the same team two weeks in a row. And that was the intriguing game last week. Um, Which one? Oh, Rams Cardinals was last week, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm not going to twist your arm to do it, but uh, I tell you what, let me take some of the intrigue out of it. So back in week five, um, Seattle played the Rams at home. And uh, let's see, they lost the game 26 to 17, which is fairly close. Um, but they only got to Goff 
Oh, God, holy mackerel. They only got to Stafford once. They did pick him off once. Um, they had several tackles for loss where if there is a weakness, it's in the Rams running game. Uh, Daryl Henderson has not been as good as a lot of people thought he was going to be. Sony Michelle is getting a lot more run now, but Sony Michelle is not a pass catching back. So he's a little limited in what he can do. Can I but say one thing about Sony Michelle? Yeah, sure. I, I was, uh, I was impressed. And remember when I told you early on when you played the Cardinals, I said, you know, I felt like if, if you were going to run on them, you want to run them between the tackles on them, you could get that done. And I just felt like he wasn't a superstar, but he did a lot of damage. And he, he made them account for the run game uh, last week, you know, when they played the Cardinals. So I, I, yeah, well, I he's, kudos he's got fresh legs. He's got fresh legs because they've been, in, instead of going with the committee, this is weird. Coaches, NFL coaches are really weird, okay? They had Henderson. They kept him. They let Malcolm Brown go. They took Sonny Michelle from the Patriots. They drafted Cam Akers. They played the three of them as a committee. One-third of the season, Michelle was the starter. One, I'm sorry. This is before Michelle came. One third of the season, Brown was the starter. One third of the season, Henderson was the starter. And then finally, they settled on Akers. They came into the season. Akers was expected to be the starter. He gets injured. And then they make Henderson the workhorse after they bring in Michelle instead of running them as a committee. I'm not real high on this committee thing, but when you got a, one guy that can run and kind of catch the ball. You got another guy that's kind of a power runner and doesn't catch the ball well. You should play them both. They haven't done that. Now Henderson's all banged up. Now you got to play Michelle, but you can't really throw the ball to him. So you limit your offense. I'm surprised when you say that. I, you know, coming from New England where they had their running backs pretty much do a lot of things, or is that one of the reasons he's not in New England anymore? They didn't need him. John, uh, what's his name? Um, John White. I, his first name's not John. White was the pass catching back all along. Oh, from Wisconsin. Yeah, right, right. So they never needed Michelle to catch the ball. Then he brought in Ramondre. If that's if that's in your playbook, you would want you know balance to have your all your running back be able to catch the ball to some degree. Yeah, well, you know, you, that's a, a, a tell. They're not good they're, why would they stress that if they know this guy's a good runner? They know this guy is a third down back. This guy comes in on third down and he catches the ball and you can't stop him. So why am I going to make that guy who really can't catch? Well, no, if you can't catch, you can't catch. I'm just, you know, again, you know, you would want to. I'm just saying, you, you would want that back. That's what I was saying. Is that why he's not there? Because. Yes. I would think that when one back goes down, you don't want the other back to be that deficient. You want to be able to run your offense, and if it's that's why you run backs. a committee and you don't, and you 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 try to limit the chances of that guy going down by playing a committee and running them both. And I'm not saying they should have made Henderson a third down back. He could have been a three down back, but you had to play. Michelle hasn't played much this season. 
if you really go back and look at his numbers. They've kept him on the bench. He's been like mop-up duty at the end of blowouts. He's not really getting the kind of run. So he's got fresh legs now. That's why he looks impressive. Well, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on him going into the last three weeks of the season because it sounds like, you know, this is be his time. Well, I don't know if Henderson's going to be ready to come back or not. We'll have to see. All right. When Henderson comes back, I'm sure they'll play them both now, which all I'm saying is they should have done it earlier. But the bottom line is I think the Rams will win the game. I think Stafford has more weapons. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me make sure everybody hears this. I think Stafford has more weapons than Russell Wilson does because your boy, DK Metcalf, is playing like a lazy bum. <laughs> you seen the routes this guy's running? He's, and he's whining. I hear he's whining. Yeah. I hear yeah. he's whining. Sometimes I watch plays. And I don't watch the ball. I watch players. This guy's not even working hard, man. I don't know what's wrong with him. Lockett is balling. Lockett is balling. DK Metcalf, I don't know what happened to him. Obviously, I believe that he has all the talent in the world and he can get better. But right now, he's not getting it done. He's not getting it done. I, I'm, I'm going to take the Rams in this game. All right, Mr. Dixon, going with the buys, going with the Rams. Okay, who we got next? <laughs> Another potential intriguing game of the week. We have the Green Bay Packers going into the Baltimore Ravens. Bias plus score, 4.4. Not even five, Benny, favors those Green Bay Packers. Benny. You've touted the invulnerability of Lamar Jackson. How you feeling now? How you feeling? This is just like what Aaron Rodgers said the other day about screaming to the Chicago fans, I own you, I own you. He said, and I almost quote, <laughs> Those words are going to come back on me (laughs) one day. I meant what I said. I don't feel bad about what I said, but I know these words are going to be used against me somewhere (laughs) along the line. I feel the same way as Aaron Rodgers. And the guy that can't remember what he ate yesterday remembered that stuff. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Bro, Lamar Jackson, as a running quarterback, is still probably the best thing we've seen since Michael Vick. Probably better. But this season, he has regressed as a passer. I don't know why. But I do know that from what I've seen, the coaching staff has not helped him. Ah, now they we're starting not. to get on the same wavelength, sir. Yes. They have not helped him. They have allowed him to just do what they think he thinks he does best, 
instead of trying to rein him in and give him plays where he can throw the ball comfortably. And because they haven't done that, I think that's why he put himself in position to get hurt. Now, obviously, anybody can get hurt anytime. That's obvious, okay? The fact that he's played this long without a major injury is actually pretty amazing, okay? Really? But I attribute that to his just his whole his physical makeup. The guy never takes a hard – he didn't take a hard hit in this one. The guy tackled him. He was stretched out. The guy twisted a little bit, flipped his ankle. Hey, Benny, we've seen that guys – That can happen to the water boy. We've seen guys pop Achilles jogging. <laughs> so. That's right. I mean, that can happen to the guy that runs the Gatorade bottles out there during the timeout. So, you know, that's I'm not I'm not worried about it. It doesn't seem to be a serious injury. If he misses a week, I I, I think the guy Huntley is fun to watch. I like him, you know. So I, I I could care less about the Ravens at this point right now. They should have been running the ball more with their backs from jump street. But again, the coaches staff let him down. They let him run too much. Yeah, I said it. They let Lamar Jackson run too much. Man, and then, this, is my, this is my problem with what you're saying. Let, let. This is their offense. That's my problem He's with their, their offense. They, you know, they, if they had right now, if they had a pocket quarterback, they'd have to change everything that they do. So he's running their offense. They picked him to run that, or they picked him, and they decided that this is what we're going to run because of him. It's the same thing with Cam. They, you know, the, no, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. Cam had a lot of design runs, a lot it's of design runs, just like Lamar. It's not the same. Oh, oh. I do believe. It's not the same. Cam is not. Cam's like 50 years old. Lamar's like 21. It's not the same. I'm talking about back when Cam was young. But we're not talking about that. That's not no, 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 no. Two different teams, two different organizations, two different players. It's not the same. Uh, I disagree, but go ahead. They designed this offense around Lamar Jackson, design run plays and passing plays, and he was excelling at both. And for some reason, he's regressing as a passer. And instead of trying to fix that, they are allowing him to lean on his running ability. Instead of trying to fix it, they're allowing him to just run the ball. And that is wrong. And now he's hurt. And shame on him. Shame you on know, him. I, they might have one challenge right there. Because the, aren't they one of the top analytics teams out there? I don't know. I don't. I do believe that the Ravens are somewhat driven analytically. Okay. You know, we talked about the play action, how the analytics favor play action and all of that. And, and so often I see them putting Lamar in a situation where all he needs to do is take, you know, he's in a shotgun, take two steps back and fire the ball. You know what I mean? It, you can you if you can hit a, your receiver at the five yard line, you only need one or two steps. You don't need to be dropping three to seven and like that. You just need to get the ball out to them so that your playmakers can make plays. Um, 
and, and, and I don't think that, you know, when they start, you know, he got a, yeah, everybody running this way and he's faking it this way and faking it that way and all of that kind of stuff. You know, you got to give him some basics and fundamentals, I think. But if he does not get to play, maybe while he's standing on the sideline, he can look at the quarterback on the other team and say, oh, okay, this is what I need to be doing. You think he might pick up a, a, <laughs> a, a hint or two from the Mr. A Aaron Liar, liar, pants on fire, Rodgers? It's possible. I would hope that he would watch Aaron Rodgers during this game. Uh, but I'll tell you the truth, man. Um, let me remind you something, and then we can move on to the next game. Remember last season where a commentator got accused of making a racist innuendo, innuendo I believe it was the Baltimore Ravens, and I believe they were playing your team, the 49ers. It was a rainy game, and it was a night game, and the ball was dark. And they said that they could not make out when Lamar was handing the ball off. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and run plays and play actions. Okay. You remember that? Yeah. I have noticed, and people can go back and double check me, go back, look at old games. Even his play action fakes aren't as good as they were last year. He has regressed. Lamar Jackson is a real slick ball handler. That's part of his game. That's part of what makes him really good and really successful on play action is that he is a slick ball handler. You can he rides guys on the on the a, and that's why he's a good options quarterback. I'm not saying and that's, that's why, why he's very that slick hand, you know. But guess what? His passing has gotten sloppy and his ball handling has gotten sloppy. He's sabotaging himself and the coaching staff is not fixing it. Hey, Ben, oh, did I tell you the one time good? I saw him when, when, when he played action to nobody? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. That's a mix-up. nobody up. there. Uh, that's a mix-up. I'm not talking about that. I don't I'm know. That was a good play action. <laughs> not putting it all the way in the belly. He's not. Who had to play? Jeez, I think it was, it was either Brady or they put the ball in with two hands. They went to their left, put the ball in with two hands. You're not quite on camera. Yes, you can see it. No, two you. Hands. You're not quite on camera. Oh, I'm sorry. So they took the snap. Right. They turned to their, the quarterback turned to his left. Okay, your hands are just out the put camera the ball, now. Bring your put hands the back ball the in the quarterback's belly with both hands. Okay. Took the ball out of his belly with his left hand put it on his hip and rode the running back with his right hand and showed the defense the empty hand and then stood there and nobody rushed him. I think it was Brady. It was beautiful. It was magnificent. You think it was Brady? I think it was Brady. It was beautiful. 
It was a thing of beauty, man. Quarterback ball handling is, is something that people don't even think about. They talk, oh, yeah, play action, play action. What do you think makes play action work? You think just because I stick it out there like I'm going to give it to the running back, that's going to make it work? No. You got to convince that def- they're looking. You got to convince them that you're going to hand that ball off. He pulled that thing out with his left hand, put it on his hip where they couldn't see the ball, and rode him out and showed them the empty hand as the running back ran into the line. They all went to tackle him. Nobody rushed. And then he brought it back. It was Rodgers. It was Aaron Rodgers. Was it Aaron Rodgers that did Go back, watch that game. I hate to tell you to watch a whole game just to see one play. But I'm telling you, it was beautiful. Well, you know, um, as the Madden guy on the show, Madden agrees with you. There is a feature as one of your characteristics of the numbers of characteristics that they have assigned to every every player. Mm-hmm. Play action is actually a, a, a characteristic rank on a scale of zero to like 99. So I'll go back and take a quick look, but I'm sure, you know, Aaron Rodgers and those guys are up there. They are ball handling, even Tom Brady, because, you know, Tom Brady did a lot of trick plays Brady's while he good. was at the Patriots, you know, and all of that stuff, you know. So, But Lamar was top-notch last year, and this year he has regressed. So I guess that means you are going with? The Packers. Going with the Packers. Let's move this thing along. All right. Those strange Saints going to visit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look, only a seven-point-eight bias plus score favoring the Buccaneers. That's strange in in and of itself, don't you think? Well, uh, first of all, I don't want to call the Saints strange anymore. They had a couple of strange things where it's like, I'm not sure what this team is. I'm not sure what Taysom Hill is, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so they blow out the Jets. Okay, fine. They're the kind of team that could give a team like the Jets a whole bunch of trouble because – they have a quarterback that can do a lot of things. So what was the score? Uh, 30 to, yeah, 30 to nine. Okay. This game here will be no contest. The Bucks are going to blow the Saints out, probably by the same score that the Saints blew the Jets out. 30-something to single digits or barely over 10 points. That's my prediction. Take the Buccaneers. Take the Buccaneers. Okay, okay. As I'm looking at this, uh, that is the Buccaneers do have the number one offense, and New Orleans has the number 11 defense. Uh, they New Orleans has the 17th ranked offense, and Tampa Bay has the 19th ranked defense. Believe it or not, the Saints are still living off a of skew from game one when they blew out the Packers, believe it or not. (laughs) I'm wondering, when we looked at the last three weeks, did we see the Saints in that grouping at all? Uh, Probably they were off the chart. (laughs) I kind of remember seeing them somewhere as they kind of came up, and I was a little surprised to see them there. Uh, give me a moment, and I'm going to take a quick look just to see, because um, let's see here. 
The Saints, on the, in terms of the last three, uh, okay, they're still, where are they? There they go, right there, smack dab in the middle. So, nah, not doing a whole bunch. I was just looking deep. I thought defensively they might have been a little higher up than they were. Nah. They're, not they're, happening. Take they the were high early, and they have been descending slowly, but descending very steadily. All right, there you go. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, you look at the uh, – on, on the um, points against average, and you look at where the Saints are. Um, let me let me let me change this for a second because I want to make sure I'm looking at this correctly. There they go, number eleven, right behind Baltimore, <laughs> right behind Baltimore, Indianapolis, Carolina. So then, over the year, you know, now they gave up a couple more points in over the last three. Than their, or than their season average of 21.9. Last three is 22.3. So they're pretty consistent in terms of what they're giving up. So, uh, and then again, this is a division game, right? Yep. Okay. So we got to at least give them the weird factor there. All right. Going with the Bucks. What do we have next? <laughs> well, first of all, that. New Orleans Saints Tampa Bay game is was the Sunday night game. So we didn't necessarily mention it, but that's one of those games that we get a chance to watch the whole game. This is the Monday night game. Do you think that the Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears with a bias plus score of 9.8 favoring those Minnesota Vikings is intriguing? The only thing that makes this game intriguing is the fact that I thought I thought that Justin Fields played pretty well last week, at least in the first half. Second half, they fell apart, which is kind of what you expect from the Bears. So in that respect, I would say no. But so <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm going to get from the Bears. It's crazy. I don't know what I'm going to get. Robert Montgomery? Really good running back. Love him. Um, Justin Fields, obvious great potential. Going to be the starter for years to come, hopefully, for the Bears, if they're smart. Um, Receiver-wise, they still have Robinson. Kid Mooney looks good. You know, Graham's getting old at tight end, but what the heck. The Vikings have too much firepower for these guys. You know? And... And guess what? Cousins might come in and throw two picks in this game and still win it. That's, that's how superior the Vikings offense is to the Bears offense. Period. I don't even want to think any further than that. So as far as an intriguing game is concerned, I would say no. Um, as far as who I would like or who I think is going to win this game, I would say it should be the Vikings. It should be only a game maybe for – this is going to be one of those games where it's going to be close in the first half and the Vikings blow them out in the second, or the Vikings run out to a big lead and let the Bears come back and then beat them at the end. It's going to be one of those games. All right, then. The Vikings are so inconsistent. They're, they the have Vikings. all firepower, and they just don't eh. 
Well, it depends. The Vikings should blow them out if our boy Kirk Cousins can keep the mind for us under three. So they'll be all right. <laughs> I know you had to get that in there. I'm not even going to say anything. Pow, pow! There you go. Kirk Cousins jokes. Okay, hey, Benny. That wraps up the third quarter of the Ben and Barry on football show. That was the Monday night contest. You're going with the Vikings over the Bears along with the Bias Plus score. Next up, the fourth quarter. We're going to visit Ben and Barry on football on Facebook and take a look at some of the hot topics and current events. Benny, here we are at Ben and Barry on football. We talked, you specifically spoke in some glowing terms in the first quarter about Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, and his ability to bring a top, the top um, high school football recruit to Jackson State University, a coup. Over Florida State. Isn't that where Dion went? Was that where Dion went? Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Man. So this article came out and I wanted to share it. Um, the HBCU football program winning is having a big impact on the city that is predominantly African American, is what they're saying at the HBCU game day website. Deion Sanders and Jackson State University are credited with a $30 million economic impact. Wow. On the city of Jackson. Wow. So, yeah, Coach Prime is doing it at economic levels. At economic levels. And we'll move on. Unless you got something else on that, I just wanted to give him his kudos. I mean, I don't know who watches our show. I mean, I know a lot of the people that watch our show. But let's just think about way back when Neon Dion, Primetime, Jerry Curl, earrings, jewelry, must be the money videos. People laughed at him, said he was a clown. Now, great career, Hall of Fame, head coach, and this. This is huge. $30 million impact on the city of Jackson, Mississippi. One guy. It's amazing. Yeah, hey, you know, that is, that is what one guy can do. That is one one guy can do, especially when you're prime time. And I, I'm trying to think here. I don't know if we have this article. I don't want to say it if we don't have it. So I'm going to hold it. If we don't have it, remind me. I want to say one last thing about Jackson State. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, gee. This guy. My man, Michael Strahan. Hey, let me tell you something, man. Michael Strahan said, 
He knows if he don't have any friends anywhere else, he got five new friends for sure. And these <laughs> people absolutely loved and adored Michael Strahan, even though the one guy did say he thought Michael got a little scared at one particular point. In that in that takeoff, but he was in the throes of it. They was shooting up in the air when that happened. But beyond that, Michael handled it pretty well. <laughs> handled it pretty well, you know. They didn't have to change any pants when he got back. So, <laughs> you know, so I got to give it to him, man. That that that's a hell of a that takes a hell of a, a, a nerve. It does. Those other people. I would have had me a spare pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> Oh I love God. Michael Strahan, man. That's my freaking man right there. There you go. There you go. Like I told you, you know, he represents the first NFL team in space. So, you know, you guys will hold that that title in infamy. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Okay. Hey, man, my old coach, Jim Harbaugh, becomes the first Michigan coach to win the AP College Football Coach of the Year, Ben, your boy Barry's posting college stuff, man. I'm surprised. First of all, I'm surprised you're posting college stuff. <laughs> Second, of all, <laughs> Second of all, I'm surprised that he's the first Michigan coach to win AP coach, College Football Coach of the Year. That's that's pretty cool. And it's yeah, well, you're surprised. Cool. You know, I'm I'm shocked. <laughs> Here's the funny thing. There's two things you got to do when you're the coach of Michigan football team. You got to beat Michigan State, and you got to beat Ohio State. Ohio State, yep. I believe they lost to Michigan State, mm. but they beat Ohio State. Mm. So, so the fans are happy. <laughs> you could probably lose every game on the schedule and beat Ohio State, and they'll be like, sign him back up. <laughs> That's how crazy college football is. So rivalries are everything in college football. But congratulations. I'm glad he's found success. And this will probably keep him in college because I don't want to see him come back to the NFL. <laughs> I just don't. I just. Speaking yeah. of college, Bryce Young, congratulations. Alabama quarterback wins the 2021 Heisman Trophy. You can hit the pose. Here's my question. And I should know this, so I, I hate to ask this question, but I'm hoping you'll know. Is he a sophomore or a junior? I don't know. Okay. Because I've already heard that he will not be coming out in the draft this year. At least as of now, he has not declared. So that means he's got another year of eligibility. I'm assuming that he's either a junior or a redshirt sophomore. Um, but I hope he does stay.